to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, December 14th. On today's show, I want to talk a little bit about some of the details we've learned this past weeks regarding the start of the 2021 season, and we are finally starting to learn things like how many tournaments will there be to kick play off in January? Where will those tournaments be held? How will the presence of those tournaments impact the 2021 Australian Open? And then, of course, where does the schedule go from Australia? We learned a little bit more about those questions. We also, of course, learned that the ATP is launching a brand new market campaign heading into the 2021 season. Want to talk a little bit about that. And then some of the other off-court developments, right? Things like we finally got an update on Roger Federer's health heading into the 2021 season. I'm sure that's something all of us tennis fans are curious about is we don't know how much Roger Federer we have left uh, as tennis fans. So uh, certainly we hope to get him back as soon as possible. We'll talk about that. Some of the other off-court developments, some of the college junior developments we've seen over the past week. Uh, And of course, all of this is made possible because of the incredible support we get not only from you amazing listeners, not only from our sensational Patreon family, but of course from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. We want to look good. We want to feel good so that when we go on court, we play good. That's where our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar come in. You go to MidwestSports.com. You're going to find anything you need from a tennis equipment standpoint. All of the best brands, all of the best prices. Use our promo code CR15. You'll get an additional 15% off free two-day shipping on all orders over 75 and best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. You go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15. By the way, you if you maybe you want to get your uh, friends, your family, your loved ones a tennis-themed gift this holiday season, Dave Limke of Midwest Sports came on to talk about the Midwest Sports Holiday Gift Guide. You can find that on the Great Shot Podcast feed wherever you listen to your podcast. Of course, that's the look good part of the equation. How do you feel good? You turn to our friends at Aerobar, the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business more potassium than a banana, delicious honey, cinnamon, oat, and chocolate chip flavors. More importantly, they've solved the science of tennis through nougat, folks, and you can get that in your lives by going to aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED30. You'll get 30% off, and again, look good, feel good, play good, Midwest Sports, Aerobar, Cracked Rackets. All right, with that in mind, let's not talk Australian Open first. Let's not talk ATP marketing campaign, some of the other off-court storylines. Let's have a little bit of fun to kick off another week of the tennis offseason. Let's start with an update on the WTA and ATP awards. As we learned who the WTA awards recipients from this 2020 season are this past week. Now, of course, some of the awards they give out, things such as Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, Most Improved Player, Doubles Player of the Year. Uh, there's also Comeback Player of the Year, Sportsmanship Award, Player Service Award, Coach of the Year, and then a couple of tournament awards uh, that are given out. And look, I think we could talk about all of these, and in fact, we are going to be doing our own Crack Rackets WTA and ATP Award shows this week. I am bringing on Courtney Nguyen, WTA Insider, finally for the first time in program history. I turned to Twitter. I was shameless. I said, Courtney, I've emailed you. I've texted you. I've come on NCR. No challenges remaining. The podcast she does with Ben Rothenberg and pleaded my case. And finally, she's like, you know what, Alex? 
you made a pretty good uh, case in the spirit of the holiday season. I'll come on the show. And of course, we are so grateful for that. So we're going to have her to talk more in depth about these WTA awards. I'll give my, you know, the people I think should be winning player of the year, the people I think newcomer, et cetera, et cetera, at, in depth. Of course, Jamie McDonald and I talked about it a little bit on the deciding point this week as well. You can find that on the Great Shot podcast feed or on video on our YouTube channel. But look, to go through the award recipients, the WTA player of the year was Sophia Kennan. And you look at the WTA award nominees uh, this year, I think you know, Kennan's probably the right player to win this uh, uh, award. You look, again, some of the uh, nominations, some of the nominees for Player of the Year. Vika, so good. Simona Halep, so good. Sabalenka was so good. Iga Shviantek, Naomi Osaka, all nominated for the the award. I think they all had various cases that, of course, we will talk about more down the road. But not shocked to see it go to Sophia Kennan, right? She uh, she knocked off all of the boxes. She won a Grand Slam. She reached a Grand Slam final after that week in, week out. She won a bunch of different events. She played World Team Tennis, too. She was up there in terms of WTA wins leaders on the season. And, in fact, you look, according to Tennis Abstract, you look at the WTA wins leaders uh, in 2020. Sophia Kennan ended up on that list uh, number eight as she went 24-9 and nine. and. Look, it was clearly a step forward for Sophia Kennan to make that French Open final after not playing well uh, really in Cincinnati or during the U.S. Open, or at least not playing exceptionally well. She played fine, uh, but then to just kind of make the finals the way she did, that was so impressive. She's again showed off how good she is across multiple surfaces because of how much variety she has in her game. Uh, it's a really good choice, and again, it's something we will talk about more in the award show. Some of the other players, I think, had the case to be named player of the year, but of the those nominees, you know, again, Halep, Azarenka, uh, Sviantek, I, I just think Osaka, uh, I just, this Abilene, I, you know, I just think uh, Sophia Kennan had the most complete season, so it's not surprising to see her win player of the year. Of course, some of the other award recipients here you had, uh, I think no one will be surprised to learn that the comeback player of the year this year was Victoria Azarenka, who, again, she finished inside the top. I, I don't think I need to make the case for Vika Azarenka. She blitzed through the Western and Southern and U.S. Open draws, making the finals at both events. I mean, she was spectacular, right? She was so, so spectacular. And so uh, to see her back at this level, back as a Grand Slam champ or back in the uh, competition to win another Grand Slam title and certainly capable of doing so. Uh, she was also great down the home stretch as well. So uh, really excited to see Vika Azarenka back playing a full schedule. Hopefully, you know, the biggest question mark for her, can she stay healthy? If she can, she can win as many titles as she is on the court for. So of course, we all look forward to seeing her compete during the 2021 season. Uh, your other winners, and again, some of these, uh, you can have some gripes with. Jamie and I talked about them a little bit. Again, on the deciding point, most improved player goes to Iga Sviantek. Some of the other nominees for most improved were uh, Jennifer Brady, Fiona Farrow, Own Shabur, Elena Rabakina. That that award's probably the toughest one to give out because so many players had breakthrough performances, uh, but it ultimately goes to Sviantek, who makes that jump right to out right around the top 50 to Grand Slam champion. That's probably the toughest jump any player can make. You can understand why she wins that 
that award, of course, Azarenka. I mentioned comeback player of the year over Perankova, Sigamund, and Teague. Finally, the WTA newcomer of the award goes to Nadia Podoroska, who boxes out uh, Trevisan, who was a quarterfinalist, of course, at the French Open. Leila Fernandez, Canadian teenager, and American Anne Lee as well. Uh, again, these are all things I wanted to give my extended thoughts on on the WTA award show, but I did want to let all of you listeners know the awards have been given out. Some of the other, you know, the formal awards, I should say. They may not be the Cracked Rackets Award recipients, but these are the people who actually get to bring home the hardware. Uh, your other win- award winners, your Sportsmanship Award winner goes to Marie Buzkova. Buzkova ending what I want to say is what, like, I think... Petra Kvitova has won this sportsmanship award something like, I don't know, like 12 years in a row or something crazy. Petra Kvitova won it every year from 2013 to 2019. She also won it in 2011. So, I mean, yeah, she's won it eight out of the last nine years. Marie Buzkova, at least keeping the award, I suppose, in the Czech Republic. But hard to come across Marie Buzkova and not be uh, – and not – enjoy her she's just such a loving kind person and obviously her on-court demeanor so calm and classy and just well very much deserving recipient of this award so shout out to you marie buzkova the player service award goes to the entire wta players council and i tweeted this at the time that's the correct choice i mean the wta player council has been on it getting uh getting money getting funds getting uh just i suppose what what am i looking for here stimulus checks out to players outside the top 100 and players affected by this pandemic they were so active early on they were so transparent with what was going on whether it's christian or just any of the uh wta player council being in the media being outspoken about what they were doing what they were working on to try and ensure the players stayed together during this moment of course there are various other initiatives as well the rollout of the brand new WTA marketing campaign just from top to bottom. I think the WTA has been on their game and so the Players Council certainly deserving of that award. And then finally, Coach of the Year goes to the coach of Iga Sviantek. I am absolutely going to butcher this pronunciation, but here we go. Shout out to Piotr Sirs Putowski, Sirs Putowski, Sirs Putowski. I don't know, but shout out to you, Piotr. You did the job. Iga Sviantek, of course, now a Grand Slam champion. So uh, hard to disagree with that pick. Those are your WTA award recipients. Worth noting on the ATP side, and again, going to be doing an ATP award show with my friend and nemesis eyebrow rival, Gil Gross, later this week. I believe we're doing a home-and-home. I'm going to be going on his Monday match analysis. Uh, He's to talk about our wish list for the top 10 in the ATP. He is going to be coming on here to do a little bit of an ATP award show. Uh, And again, your nominees for these ATP awards, we can go through them quickly here. In terms of there is no player of the year on the ATP side. It just goes to the number one player in the world. We can talk about how boring that is on the award show, uh, but it went to Novak Djokovic as he finished this year as world number one. In terms of your other categories, comeback player of the year nominees, Anderson, Kuznetsov, uh, Kuznetsov Pospisil, and Raonic. Hmm. I'll tell you this. My comeback player will be none of those people. I mean, Anderson's not a bad nominee, but did he really do anything that incredible? I know he did have serious injury. Kuznetsov is interesting. Pospisil played really well this year, but he had been around the year before. I don't know. I'll I'll have to do some more thinking about comeback player of the year. If I had to guess who's going to win this category, I'd say Kevin Anderson because he's on the player council. Pospisil, Rayonich. I don't think Pospisil wins it. I don't think the ATP wants to give him anything right now. 
Ranich was injured, but like it's not like there was a time when he was coming back from injury and he wasn't a top player. Whenever <clears throat> Milos Raonic is healthy and on court, he's a top twenty guy in the world at a minimum. So I don't think he can win this. I think it's probably got to go to Kevin Anderson. I will be surprised if it goes to anyone else. Most improved player of the year is definitely the most fascinating category in both sides. It's always, you know, what are the jumps you take more? Is it more difficult to go from top 20 player to top 10 guy, top 10 to top 5? You know, uh, is it more difficult to go from top 200 to top 50, top 100 to top 30? There are so many different types of jumps that happen depending on a player. And I think all of the nominees minus... Uh, Sans one did make big jumps this season in Ugo Umber, Andre Rublev, Yannick Sinner, and then Diego Schwartzman. With all due respect, the results went Diego Schwartzman's way this season. He made a Masters final. He made the semifinals of the French Open. He made the year on championships in London. He was this. I, I'm not saying he's the exact same player, but he was that much more improved than he was in 2019. I just think the results kind of went his way. So he's out for me. Umber and Rublev is a really good debate. That's probably who this comes down for. I know in our deciding point, Jamie McDonald went with Yannick Sinner. I just, I don't think Yannick Sinner improved his standing. I just think he got a year older, if that made sense. Like, this was always the trajectory for Yannick Sinner. It's just a matter of him turning 19, turning 20, turning 21, actually playing the matches and, you know, uh, just continuing to grow on court. I said Umber on the deciding point. I probably still lean that way, but Andre Rublev's got to win some sort of award, so we'll figure something out for him on our GSP award show later this week. Newcomer of the year nominees are Carlos Alcaraz, Sebastian Corda, Lorenzo Musetti, Yuri Rodionov, Emil Rusevori, Tiago Sabathfield. I will bet every dollar in my pocket this award goes to Carlos Alcaraz, but again, we will litigate all of it, talk about it more uh, on the Great Shot podcast. Your Sportsmanship Award nominees. Usually this award goes to Roger Federer. He's not even nominated this season. It's Dominic Team, Diego Schwartzman, John Millman, Rafael Nadal. <sighs> Does Schwartzman deserve award, an award for this season? Maybe. Everyone loves Diego Schwartzman. There's nothing wrong with giving him the sportsmanship award. I probably go to John Millman because if you read this player who throughout the year conducted himself at the highest level of professionalism and integrity who competed with his fellow players with the utmost spirit of fairness and who promoted the game through his off-court activities. I mean, the nominees are Nadal, Millman, Schwartzman, Team. You could call this the Rafael Nadal Award, and that would be just fine. I probably lean Millman right now, but again, that's something I will have to think about even further. In terms of coaches of the year, the coaches of Medvedev, Team Sinner, and Rublev, Schwartzman, all nominated. Maybe that's where you go to the coach of Rublev, the jump Fernando Vincente has helped Andre Rublev make. Although, then again, the biggest jump, we saw this go to Iga Sviantek's coach. Uh, I think Nicholas Massou probably wins this award because there's no more difficult jump than being a contender to being a Grand Slam champion. That's the jump that Dominic team made this year, and he's got to be rewarded with some sort of award, even if it's via Nicholas Masu. That would not shock me. But again, those are your updates for the ATP and WTA awards, and we will go even further in depth, and that'll be our probably one of our final recaps of the 2020 seasons, and then we can start really focusing on 2021 will be those award shows. So be on the lookout for them. They'll both be great shot podcasts later on this week. All right, that's a little bit of fun to kick off the week. Now let's talk about the news updates we had 
over these past seven days. Let's start with the action in Australia, the schedule update we have for 2021. Mentioned this on the deciding point as well, uh, but we learn it, you know, contracts still need to be finalized and signed, but it sounds like all systems go. There will be a WTA 500 in the United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi to start the 2021 season. It looks like Australian Open qualifying going to start the 9th through the 13th in Abu Dhabi as well. Uh, And it looks like the ATP, by the way, going to have an event in Delray Beach. We'll get back to that in a second. But uh, it's either going to be Abu Dhabi, it could be Dubai. The point being that is the places centered for the start of the WTA and ATP seasons. Uh, We also learned that uh, Dubai is all but certain to be a host site for men's qualifying from the 9th through the 13th, if it is not also for the women's. There will be no Australian Open playoff, but there will be eight main singles uh, singles draws, main draw wild cards available, excuse me. Six for the Australians, one for an international player, one for an Asian Pacific player. We also learned, and this comes from my friend at Parsa Damani, shout out to you Parsa for breaking this information, due to the cap on the number of people that can enter Australia right away. There are four tiers for the numbers of people players can bring with them to Melbourne. If you're a former Australian Open champion, you can bring four people with you, three for top ten players, two for main draw singles players, one each for each individual main draw doubles players. We joked about this on the deciding point as well, but it's like, you know, who's the guy who was sitting there in the room and was like, hey, hey, hey. Here's the system we have. What if we give four to the very best guys, three to the guys who are really, really good, two to the guys who we think are okay, and then we'll just leave the doubles players one. And then the best part is then after that, the next person was like, brilliant. Like, lock that in. That's going to be the guideline. And on a more serious note, why are they doing this? Because again, Australia does not mess around when it comes to COVID. There's a reason they keep their numbers so much lower than other aspects of the world. And yeah, it helps that they're a big island located elsewhere from other major population centers. But, you know, there's a reason travel restrictions and banning travel even in between states within Australia or provinces, whatever they are called. There's a reason, again, they don't mess around. And so the idea of having the players entourage, the players group coming with them, coaches, etc. at once is to get everyone quarantining at once. It's you're not having people jumping into the bubble, breaking the integrity and, you know, compromising, I should say, the integrity of the bubble as it's starting to be developed. You get everyone there at once. People who test positive can be siphoned off to the side, but you get everyone there at once. You start the quarantine procedure. You go from there. That's the thinking behind getting everyone there at once. The other thinking behind it is, look, if you're a former Australian Open champion, particularly given the current breakdown of the tours more likely than not i'm thinking not hey great shot to me more likely than not i'm thinking of players like nadal and djokovic and you know on the women's side osaka or you know any of those players as well uh who are probably thinking to them or you know if you're the australia tennis australia you think yeah those players are probably going to make sophia ken in deep runs again this year you should probably give them their team now because they're going to be here for a while so let them stick with them from start to finish don't have them join later on that's the thinking behind it it's just in this current environment, it's a terrible look for Tennis Australia because it reemphasizes the differences in opportunity, the differences in just resources available to them for players at the top of the tennis world and players elsewhere. You know, those players in the top 10, whether it be the paychecks they receive, whether it just be the coaching and the the kissing of the feet, the kissing of the rings, so, so many of these tournaments do for them in appearance fees and so many other aspects 
Uh, this is just another. It's it's just it's not a good look. It's from a PR perspective, it's a bad look from the Australian Open to allow the top ranked players better access to resources, better coaching, better just more people in their lives, a more comfortable environment than the other players in the draw. And so, you know, still you're happy for Tennis Australia that they're moving forward with the plan. Just this was probably a misstep in the execution of that plan. But of course, again, it's not just Australian open news we've learned. And by the way, shout out to Tennis Australia. If I'm going to rip on them, I also need to criticize them. They're the first, I also, if I'm going to rip on them, I also need to praise them when the moment calls for it. They're the first Grand Slam to increase the quad draw size from eight in line with two, the other two events. Um, that's absolutely what should be, you know, the growth in quad tennis is so essential for the sport. And it's, it's such an encouraging, positive aspect of the sport. That fact that Tennis Australia is willing to uh, expand the quad draw, that is absolutely a big development and a good development for the sport. So congratulations to you, uh, Tennis Australia, on making that decision. Uh, but again, we also learned more about the 2021 schedule, what it's going to look like early on. Here is what we have thus far out in the early parts of the season. There will be no Auckland this year. There will be no Pune. There will be no New York. And by the way, will New York come back in 2022? Fascinating question for us to monitor throughout the season. Uh, Rio is is out and Indian Wells is out. Indian Wells reporting, by the way, they are trying to look to move to after the U.S. Open when hopefully at that point vaccinations will be far enough spread that they can open up their gates, have closer to a normal type of event. But of course, you know, through that second week of March are the only events that got to play uh, normally on the schedule during the 2020 season. Of course, a couple of them made up for it on the back end, but I'm talking about between March and August. There are a bunch of events that we've talked as we've talked about if you have to cancel twice in a row uh that's potentially a death sentence if you're an atp wta 500 250 or lower event so absolutely worth monitoring now we have learned again there are going to be a few events early on the calendar on the atp side looks like we are going to have delray beach at the beginning of january that 8 to 13th range from there players are going to be obliged to arrive in australia to begin their two weeks of quarantine. After that, you're going to have an ATP 250 in either ATP Cup or an ATP 750 uh, the week uh, that first week of February. Not sure, again, exactly the details behind that, but there will certainly be at least one, probably two events that week before Australia. Then, of course, February 8th to the 21st will be the Australian Open for the ATP calendar. After that, things get interesting. As of right now, it looks like there are going to be an ATP 250-250 swing. It looks like there are going to be events in Cordoba, February 22nd to 28th in Buenos Aires, the 1st to the 7th of March in Santiago in the 8th to the 14th, and in Acapulco, March 15th to the 21st. There are also going to be Montpellier and a 250 event to be named that first uh, week post-Australian Open in February, first week of March. There's also going to be Rotterdam and a new ATP 250 event. March 8th, there's going to be Doha and Marseille, and then March 21st, as I mentioned, it's Acapulco and Dubai that weekend. So as of right now, 
it looks like we're going to have a full 2021 season. It looks like we're going to have plenty of events on the schedule. Of course, it only takes one outbreak. It only takes one turning of the tide, one cancellation, or one spike in a country. And of course, not every country is going to have the vaccine rolled out at the same rate. Not all of these players, who knows when any, if any of these players, what you know where they are in line on the queue of being vaccinated which what a what a blessing it is to be able to even speculate on that date being closer but i mean as of right now it's all systems go they look to be planning to play the 2021 event not in a bubble but regardless of the fact that there still is a pandemic going on it looks like they're trying to reinstitute the normal travel the normal locations trying to spread out the events We'll see how it goes. Uh, Obviously, there's still a lot to follow, but certainly that is, I suppose, an encouraging sign, excuse me, for all of us tennis fans that the schedule for now does appear to be getting back to the normal rigors of the ATP WTA lifestyle. Of course, we will continue to look for more details about the WTA schedule as they continue to emerge. Uh, The other big news from the ATP last week, the launching of the brand new marketing campaign, quote, this is tennis. Now, what exactly does that mean? Your guess, probably as good as mine, but the ATP releasing, uh, you know, them saying their intention, this from Dan Ginger, SVP of Marketing and Business Development for the ATP, our intention is to showcase tennis as more than a sport. Yes, we have some of the world's top athletes competing on tour day in, day out, but it encompasses so much more than that. Resilience, dedication, passion, spirit. Tennis is a nonstop lifestyle and a unique entertainment property. Pulling back the covers and bringing fans the fullest experience of our world has required us to get creative in our storytelling thankfully the foundations are already there we have an incredible pool of young and super talented athletes with personality in abundance and tournaments in some of the most iconic cities around the world which together have the entertainment potential to truly transcend the sport uh now look in theory, this is tennis, and we did see, and the ATP deserves credit, all of these players releasing tweets, releasing short videos with the hashtag, this is tennis. Uh, the purpose of the this is tennis campaign, it's going to be used to frame this ATP social media content throughout the season. The campaign will be made available and uniquely tailored to tournaments throughout the season, providing a consistent and clean look and feel across traditional forms of advertising and driving ticket sales at ATP tournaments. Look, that's a lot of good consultant talk. I'm sure the team at BCG, or what is the team they use? Hold on, I learned the... It says it in what marketing firm they use in the press release. The team at Executive Brand and Strategy... Oh, the team at the London-based agency Mata, which I do not know off the top of my head, but I'm sure they came up with a dynamite plan. I'm sure there is going to be some very cool video behind-the-scenes access that the ATP Tour is going to express to their fans. What always makes me so frustrated is how concerned the ATP is with controlling the narrative, right? It's got to be ATP-based content. It's got to be ATP-based video. We don't share the rights. We don't let people rip off GIFs, or we don't let people redistribute the highlights on YouTube, which I can understand, by the way, because owning the rights to a sport is how you monetize the sport. But still, we don't then make a large portions of our matches available for highlights on YouTube. They don't do any of that. So until they address the fundamental concerns, and maybe they are in this marketing campaign, but I still have a lot of question marks. And so, of course, we will need to learn more about those question marks as more details become available. You're asking me 
right now, and I, I don't know if any of you are asking me. Maybe you're sitting in your car like, Alex, I'm asking you, or hey, Alex, I'm not asking you. Well, I'm going to answer the question anyways. Who did the better job through their marketing campaigns uh, thus far, the ATP or the WTA? I'm going to lean WTA just because perhaps there were a couple more things they needed to do, but it's, you know, the re-nomenclaturing. I know that's not a word. Person in your car who also said, I didn't want you to answer that question, and now you're going to answer that question with a false word. I'm, I'm turning off the podcast. No, don't turn off the podcast quite yet. We're at the home stretch. The point being, I just think the WTA, whether it's the rollout of the players, the concrete steps, the further announcements of, hey, here's what the campaign is going to look like, 30 to 60 second ads at each and every event. We're going to have all of these players participating in the rollout as well. I mean, the ATP did a decent job. I just think the WTA did a better job. I I really don't have any quantifiable stats to justify that. I'm just going to lean WTA on this occasion. Uh, But still, really much look forward, very much look forward, I should say, to seeing what else the ATP marketing campaign has in store for all of us. Again, those are the big, I suppose, campaign or marketing campaign storylines. Let's look now to some of the other off-the-court storylines. I mentioned the Roger Federer health update. Uh, He was at, I believe, the all the sports awards in Switzerland winning Swiss uh, athlete of the year for the 200 millionth time in a row. He said today, quote, I would love to be in Australia, but it will be very tight with my knee. I don't want to take the next step until I'm ready. These three weeks might help me a bit, meaning the three additional weeks to prepare for the Australian Open. But the summer with Wimbledon, the Olympics, and the U.S. Open is my priority. Quote, he also said if he were to fly to Australia, his family would stay home because of the two weeks of quarantine. What does that mean? It means more likely than not, we will probably not be seeing Roger Federer at the start of the 2021 season. Now, that's okay because, again, for Roger Federer, and he's spoken about this before, how important the Olympics are to him, uh, how important Wimbledon is to him has always been clear. But we just want him to be healthy on court, however long that takes. Of course, I'm sure there are Federer fans out there who will be slapping their knees, who will be very, very upset that their favorite player is not going to be in Australia still. Take as much time as you need. Don't rush back. Don't force it back. If we can squeeze out two to three more seasons of Roger Federer, which, again, he's 38 years old, that would be a lot of tennis. And, you know, if we're able to do that, and that means we miss another six months of him to start out 2021, I think that's a trade-off all of us would uh, would take. That being said, uh, look, he's 38 years old. A nagging injury lingers that much longer once you get over that 35, 36, 37 mark. And so... Uh, for Roger Federer, I think all of us know that he has more years in his rear view in terms of in his career than uh, ahead of him. But still, there's still plenty of good tennis Roger Federer can play. I feel like whenever I say Roger Federer is 38, he's not. He's 39 years old. Sorry, the last time we saw him play, he was 38 years old. He's 39 years old now. And so uh, name me a Grand Slam singles champion who won that title after the age of 40. I'll wait. No, I'm still waiting. Yeah, that's because the answer is none. There is no Grand Slam tennis player who has won after the age of 40. The reason I paused there, Westoff walked by me here at CR headquarters. Uh, he he kind of shook his head and said, I don't think any, and that's the correct answer, Westoff. None have won over the age of 40. That being said, if anyone's going to do it, it'll be Roger Federer at Wimbledon uh, taking advantage of that fifth set breaker. Still, uh, we will continue to monitor more as we learn more about Roger Federer. Hey, he knows he's always welcome on the podcast. God willing, we'll be able to set that up at some point. But until then, we will just be monitoring as closely as we can. 
Some of the other storylines uh, from across the tennis world. We learned from Reem Abulil, that Algerian tennis player, I mean, uh, Iklef has been banned for the sport from life after an investigation by the Tennis Integrity Unit uncovered multiple breaches of the anti-corruption program rules by the player. He has been fined $100,000, also again banned for life. We also learned from Reem on the positive side that Own Jabour signs a sponsorship deal with Qatar Airways. Of course, it is so great to see... Uh, uh, you know, owns who's the top Arab uh, tennis player in the world, who's the top female Arab tennis player, I believe, of all time, uh, be rewarded for her efforts. Certainly that is going to help her training, help her preparation, just provide her more resources to make things that much easier. We all know how much talent Own Shabur has. Uh, we continue to look forward. You know, she was one of the breakthrough players of the 2021 season. So certainly this is a huge moment for her. Uh, we also learned just quickly now, jumping gears, going to the college tennis realm, Stanford out men's and women's teams of the 2021 National Indoors. That was shocking uh, when we learned that detail. And of course, there is a huge impact on the draw. You would have loved to have seen, you know, Wake Forest was reported to go to NC State. And if Wake Forest goes to NC State, who goes to TCU? Does Baylor still ultimately end up in Ann Arbor? Probably yes, but still. I mean, it's it's a kick in the derriere, certainly a kick in the gonads for all of us Michigan fans to hear this decision after the fact, and of course for all of us college tennis fans to not be able to see the Stanford men and women at the national indoors, two teams who are certainly going to be competing for, if not national championships, they're going to be in the national conversation all year long. Uh, they, of course, announcing that they're not even going to have students back on campus until, I want to say, the end of January, and as such, there won't be any winter athletics until there are students back on campus, so Stanford is out. Chris Elioris and I reporting that a couple of days ago. Also on the college tennis front, another just horrifying story. And some of you may have heard a few weeks ago, LSU players coming out and talking about you know, coaches forcing them to play through injuries and their ignorance towards uh, sexual violence, sexual abuse, uh, accusations that players were making towards other athletes in the LSU athletic programs, the culture of silence that was cultivated. You know, we also learned in the Columbian, uh, Missouri, in the Columbia, Missourian today that Missouri tennis player says coaches told them to play through injuries, ignore NCAA rules, and look. I, you hear a lot of other evidence from other former college tennis players, former athletes who did have players pressured with scholarships, pressured with, look, if you're not playing, you're going to lose your spot and there's not going to be a spot for you when you come back. And it's that sort of culture in college athletics that is just so detrimental to college athletes and it's so detrimental to the sport as a whole. And you just hear too many examples of it. This another prominent example. And of course, I say this all the time. There are more exceptional college tennis coaches right now in the country than, in my opinion, there have ever been within the sport. And of course, these coaches want the best for their athletes. They want to get the most out of them because also their livelihoods are at stake. But that's just no way to – you're setting amateur athletics up for failure when you're putting the livelihood of a coach on the shoulders of these athletes who, of course, they're going to demand more of them because they don't want to get fired because their livelihood's on the line. And it's just a – it's a terrible cycle, and there just needs to be better protections in place for these student-athletes to ensure that they aren't taken advantage of from their coaches. And, of course, uh, you know, the courage for these former Missouri tennis players to come out and speak of this moment, it it takes a lot of courage because, you know, it's so easy. Oh, these athletes are soft. They don't understand the suffering we have to do. I played through two broken ankles, and my team won the NCAA championship. That's, that's not toughness. That's foolishness. That's just – 
you know, machismo is out. There's just no place for that toxicness anymore in college athletics. And so, you know, again, so much credit to these Missouri women for speaking out. And uh, these are all NCAA rules that will continue to be examined as we try to make college athletics a more equitable place, not just for all of us fans, but of course for the athletes, the most important aspect. There is no college athletics without those athletes. Make it a better place for them uh, moving forward as well. I know that's a somber note, so I want to end quickly with two uh, high two high notes for all of you listeners. One, great news. And if you've listened to this Crack Rackets podcast for a while, you know how big a fan I am of Colette Lewis. I would not have or would not be uh, hosting podcasts if I didn't grow up reading her zoo tennis blog day in, day out, which you can find on tennisrecruiting.net. Uh, we're going to have Colette Lewis on the show this week, folks. That is not a joke. This is not a drill. Colette going to come on the show to talk a little bit about this year's Orange Bowl, where, of course, we saw Ashlyn Kruger, the, I want to say, 17-year-old Texan, win uh, a back-to-back Orange Bowl title. 16-year-old Texan, excuse me, who won the girls 16s event last year she became the first player to win back-to-back 16s and 18s finals since Bianca Andreescu did it in 2014-2015 now of course we've all gotten spoiled by the Coco Goffs of the world at age 15 and 16 going out there and having so much success on the pro tour you know Ashlyn Kruger is that same age and this girl can freaking ball so be on the lookout for Ashlyn Kruger. We'll talk about her more with Colette later this week. I'm very, very excited for that. But, of course, if you want to read more about the Orange Bowl, go check out the Tennis Kalamazoo blog, which, again, you can go find on TennisRecruiting.net. And then, lastly, if you want to read a really interesting uh, interview, go check out the interview Sky Sports did with Francis Tiafo. He discusses you know, the fight for racial justice and emulating Arthur Ashe, being inspired by the Williams sisters, so much more. It's a really fantastic read. And, you you know, the candidness of Francis Tiafo, who's just become a more well-rounded, more mature person day in, day out, week in, week out. I think his game is reflecting that as well. There's just a calmness to him, a certainty, a confidence that uh, it's palpable. It's very, very, very enjoyable. So credit to Francis Tiafo, and I really think all of you are going to enjoy this interview as well. So be sure to go check that out. Again, you can find that at Sky Sports. Uh, But that'll do it for today's mini break podcast. Again, GSP award shows coming out later this week for both the ATP and WTA tours. Gil Gross for the men, Courtney Wynn for the women. We're going to have Colette Lewis on the show. We're continuing our college contender series. Matt Stokoe, Chris Hallioris joined me to break down the number five team in our preseason rankings, the USC Trojans this week. Of course, that means we'll chat with USC head coach Brett Macy on the Cracked Interviews podcast. We've also got NC State coach Kyle Spencer uh, for you all this week. So much great content. You can find it all, of course, so much great content. Hey, great shot. Sorry for the shameless self-promotion there. I promise you, though, it is content all of you tennis fans will enjoy. And we're hitting the entire spectrum, right? With Colette, we've got the juniors. We've got the college tennis ranks. We've got the pro tennis world. We're rocking and rolling so to find all of that content just go to the website crackedrackets.com you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod shout out as always to our super producers max Lanier and daniel westoff who have a of an end job to do day in day out shout out of course as well to our friends at midwest sports and aerobar go to midwestsports.com use the promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use that promo code cracked 30 and remember look good feel good play good midwest sports aerobar cracked rackets but with that in mind for our wonderful super producers fliegner and westoff our friends at midwest sports and aerobar and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone